Hey, it's JT, and I'm excited to introduce you to my new book, Jugo, The Power of Jiu-Jitsu. The reason why I'm so hyped is this is the first ever BJJ superhero book. Now, the hero of the story, the underdog, is Jugo. He's a skinny little nerd, and he's the only ginger in his whole town. And every day he gets bullied. He gets punched in the face by the bully, Marcus Caesar Vieira. And every day is pretty much like this for Jugo, until one fateful day he discovers jujitsu. But that's not all. Along the way on his adventures, he happens to meet the youngest son of death, a young reaper named Marrow. He also makes friends with a three-eyed frog who is enlightened named Fibs. Hmm, mysterious. This is a fun and quirky book for 10 to 12 year olds and it's a perfect Christmas gift to get that kid over the line to do jiu-jitsu. Or let's say you know a young kid who doesn't really like to read. It's a cool story that allows them to get into the world of jugo and also enjoy their reading. But if you're a big kid like me and you just want a fun story, it's perfect for that too. Now I'll be putting the link in the show notes today, but go to jugoplay.com and you can get yourself a copy just in time for Christmas. Thanks, guys, and on with the episode. You better listen very carefully. A good martial artist does not become tense, but ready. Essentially, at this point, the fight is over. So you pretty much flow with the goal. Who is worthy to be trusted with the secret to limitless power? I'm ready. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another Bulletproof for BJJ podcast. And today we'll be talking about get strong for BJJ with zero equipment. So for a lot of you out there, you may not have anything at home. No kettlebells, no dumbbells, no rings, no bars, but you want to get stronger. Is it possible? We say yes. And at this point in time, I'm going to hand directly to Joe because Joe has some direct info of his own experience with this. Let's speak about that bodyweight piece. I suppose the thing that we need to figure out with bodyweight training is that you obviously don't have as many options because True. you don't have access to all of the equipment that kind of makes choosing exercises easier. I guess you've got to know more exercises. Yes. And the other side of that, the piece of knowing more exercises is in order to progress a particular exercise or a particular kind of movement pattern, you need to have different exercise progressions you can use. So you might say you're trying to develop your pushing strength. You might have 10 or 15 different exercises, let's say five different exercises that will allow you to develop pushing strength over time. Whereas if you're at the gym, you could just do overhead presses with a barbell and you could just gradually increase the weight, Yeah. right? But our body weight is fixed. So it means that once you get comfortable with that fixed weight in a given pattern, you need to change the pattern. Yes. So I think having that understanding is really important. And obviously most people know the basics. We know push-ups, squats. We know lunges. Yeah. Uh, we know sit-ups, right? Yeah. And, you know, that's really, really basic stuff and there's a lot of value in those exercises. But if you actually are trying to build some real strength and – you're of a moderate level of athleticism, you're going to run out of ideas with those basic things soon enough, aren't you? Yeah, definitely. The second part of it, I think, is, uh, or the other side of it, is being able to manipulate a given exercise to make it harder. Yeah. 
And I think that range of motion and tempo of the exercise are the most important for that. Yeah. So a really good example that people can try. I was doing this myself over recent months because we were locked down and I just found myself going back to more body weight stuff because it's easy and it's always there. Let's say you can do a given amount of push-ups. Say you can do five reps or 20 reps of push-ups, no sure. big deal. Try doing your push-ups with your hands spaced a tiny bit wider than usual and try counting for five seconds on the way down, holding for one second, five seconds on the way up, oh. no hold at the top. Oh, that time under tension will get you. Right, and it's just, it's just playing with the tempo of the exercise it makes it way fucking harder. Oh, yes. Right? And so that is a really simple way that you can start to manipulate a simple exercise to make it more challenging depending on where you're at. Applies to everything. Squats, ab work, you know, hip work, whatever. Understanding how you can use your tempos and, and, and increasing time under tension I think is one of the, the pieces of gold, the pieces of magic when it comes to bodyweight strength training. Yeah, I agree with that. And for those of you out there who just have no orientation, so when we start talking about like – tempos and time under tension if you think on a given rep if it were a push-up or a squat it doesn't take you that long to to do one of them and if you're really trying to drive your heart rate up you might try and do them really fast which is you know you see it all the time on instagram and on on the internet of people busting out hit workouts and they're trying to they're trying to do as many reps as, as fast as you can or they're trying to keep a really high heart rate but to get strong that isn't necessarily that beneficial and really to build up strength in your various tissues around your body not just your muscles but your connective tissues time under tension is key yeah exactly what you're saying joe you could do and this is an extreme version you could do 10 seconds on the way down pause at the bottom 10 seconds on the way up and you may have spent more time under tension than if you'd done 10 reps really fast does that right. make sense? So even though it's like, well, I've only just done one rep, that one rep, I'm not saying that's the same value. There are some finesse to separating the difference between doing 10 really fast reps and one really slow rep, but that is going to get you. And you will inevitably, without weight, get stronger at that movement by spending time under tension. Yeah, I think that the main thing there for folks to realize that you're removing is momentum. Yeah. And our bodies are built for momentum. Oh, yeah. It's how we drive, you know, most of our athletic actions. So when you take momentum away, it places all of that effort on the working muscles. Mm. And it means that the tissues have load on them throughout the whole movement rather than say, you know, if you're like pumping up and down through squats. Yeah. There's not some, it's a, bit a different of elasticity there. That's right. A bit of a free fall and then a bounce back bounce out up. the bottom. So it changes the nature of things. It's a hard pill to swallow for folks who are used to training fast. Oh, yes. Because it fucks you up, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. I think it's a really important thing to be able to do both. I agree. And especially if you're uncertain, you've topped out at a certain point. You're like, oh, I could do this all day. Let's add in a pause. So let's not even slow it down. We, you can do this for a squat. You can do this for a push-up. You can do this for any kind of abdominal flexion like a sit-up or a leg raise. Uh, even back extension work. Go to your furthest extremity, whatever that might be, like as low as you can, the end range of motion, and stay there. Stay there and don't lose tension. Don't like get to the bottom of the squat. Off. Don't collapse. Get there, hold your attention, and stay there for five seconds. A five-second pause squat is brutal. And then come back up. First rep might be okay. Second rep, that's going to get a bit shaky. Third rep, you're going to be lucky if you get to your fifth rep without you going, oh, my God. 
Oh, my quads are burning. It's a crazy thing what that degree of control and isometric or co-contraction of just holding the position will do to make this exercise far harder. This is the same for a push-up. You go all the way down to the bottom range of motion. You're not lying on the ground. You're not relaxed. You're keeping that tension at end range and then you've got to produce force on the way up and that is super taxing. So applying this principle of going to the point of where you would normally bounce out or just only spend half a second and spending more time is really going to tax your nervous system. But the great thing about it is you will get more stable and you'll get more control in those positions. So that's two cabs off the rank in terms of slowing down your reps and, and spending more time under tension, slowing your tempo, and then also adding pauses is another great way that you can take very simple basic bodyweight exercises and make them tougher. Now, we can also talk about changing positions. So we're talking about variation and progressions. If you're not aware, there's many ways that we can make our job harder or easier depending on where you're coming from. So if we're talking about pressing strength, where is a good place to start? If someone can do very minimal any kind of push-ups, where would you get people started from an easiness perspective and then we'll go the other end and go super hard? Harder. So the easiest place to start a push-up or a push progression would be an incline push-up, which would be putting your hands onto an elevated surface. So either using a chair, a couple of chairs, the back of your couch. If I'm rehabbing or if I'm like, say I was getting someone's grandma to learn some push-ups, you might even do it against a wall. Mm. And it's just changing the positioning of the movement to reduce the load. So the pattern is still the same. And then obviously for us to progress that, we simply take the hand or the elevated platform lower and lower until we're at the floor. That would be my approach with that you know, once you get to that point where, okay, the floor push-ups are no longer hard for me, I suppose there's a case for a decline push-up. Sure. Even though I don't love them because they kind of reduce the range of motion a bit because your head hits the floor before That's you true. get to go to full elbow flexion yeah. and shoulder extension. I like to elevate the hands so you've got a deficit push-up. Deeper. Yeah. yeah, that's right. And, you know, hands on a couple of kettlebells or bricks or between two chairs, whatever, body position horizontal, man, that, that is a really challenging range of motion to work your push-up. And there's two things at play here. There's the mechanical loading, but then we've also just added an increase in range of motion. Yes. Both of those things make the exercise harder. You don't have to do them both at once. That's true. That's true. The other thing I'd say on that, and this is something that I've become probably more acquainted with just being here at Jungle Brothers, which is kind of, I guess, part of the bodyweight mastery system as well, is that idea of keeping a tight midline with a push-up. You know, you, you see people going, yeah, I can do 20 push-ups and they're just sagging in the middle. Yeah, butt sticking out. Yeah, butt sticking out. It's, back. A, it's more looking like a hip down than a push-up, right? Yeah. And the, the thing that you guys should know, and this is, I guess, leading into more of like a gymnastic progression or moving up to, you know, a handstand or anything like that, your position and keeping your midline tight is super key. So what we're talking about, and we, we talk about this in the program too, bringing the rib down towards the hip and keeping that abdominal tension. Yeah. Which a lot of people hate because when you introduce people, you're like, no, 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 that's okay. Your push-up's pretty rubbish, but let's change it. Pull those elbows in, look at the shoulder position, get them to tighten up the midline. And you're like, my God, I can, I can only do five of these. Yeah, <laughs> like, it cuts you down. I could do 20 before and I can only do five of these. It's so hard because there is a lot more tension, but your ability to produce force keep your midline tight and press 
is essential whether you're doing jiu-jitsu or you're just trying to get stronger at this movement. I think it's that attention to, to doing that correctly. Yeah, having the discipline to do it well, yeah. focusing on those things. And it is like it's, it's – um, you know, we've all seen how, say, push-ups and, and other simple bodyweight exercises get abused in warm-ups and shit like that. Yeah. As soon as you make it a very intentional and deliberate exercise like what we just described, you have to focus on it. It's all-encompassing. And for people who are just not used to focusing on their exercise but rather just bashing it out, mm. there's a bit of a threshold there they've got to cross. Definitely. I think the other thing that's really important to think about that, like for folks to put it into perspective, it's like changing your body position in a push-up. So say I start in a nice straight position and then I come down and then I press back up. And then when I'm in the top position, my body position looks quite different to what it looked like when I started. Yes. Then there's movement occurring through the body. Of course. And that's the equivalent of you like doing a deadlift, lifting a barbell and then somehow magically the shape of the barbell gets changed <laughs> so that you can come down and it's easier. And then yeah. you lift it and the barbell's changing shape. Yeah. And it's changing shape, not randomly, but it's changing shape to accommodate the exercise to make it easier for you. Because you suck at it. That's right. <laughs> it is, this is not the kind of barbell we want to be lifting, right? No. You want a fixed object that you have to manipulate your body around it mm. in order to lift it in the most efficient way possible. That is how you get stronger. So it's the same with bodyweight training. We want to fix the load, which is the body, and then just have the working joints or muscles working. Definitely. So in a sense, there's a piece of isolation there. It's like I want to isolate the shoulders and the elbows in my push-up and everything else stays fixed. That's right. And that's, that's where you really target the strength development with an exercise like that. Definitely. And the thing you might not realize, guys, is – your ability to brace your core and stabilize your spine is one of the most essential underpinnings of strength. So when you do a deadlift or you do a squat, you set your spine in position and it doesn't move. Even though your torso moves in space, your spinal alignment, your vertebrae are not moving. They're not like, like flexing and extending. You set, you brace, you take the load and you complete the exercise. This is an essential quality also for jiu-jitsu. So if you have not learnt to brace under your own control, your own bodily control, when someone goes to grab you and throw you or sweep you, if you haven't learnt that ability to fix and work against a, a degree of tension to protect your spine, you get someone randomly yanking on you, the chance of you getting injury is higher. So it is actually fantastic for you to learn how to brace without a huge load. And that is an essential skill which can actually cross over and help you when you go to do, um, you know, more conventional exercises that involve equipment. But there's a, still a whole world of improvement here. And we've talked about it many times before. I don't want to go too much over old ground today. I want to try and speak more to things that perhaps we haven't gone as deep in. When we look at a squat, and I'm actually I'm going to sound like a movement boy. There's a great My hair is not long enough. Your hair is not yet. Yeah, the man bun is not high enough on your head. But no, it's it's really interesting because I know horse stance, like the, the idea of sitting into a squat position and holding it for a period of time, it, it somehow found a degree of popularity. And I, having done Taekwondo, spent way too much time sitting in horse stance. Like as much as yes, it builds a fantastic base, it doesn't make you a a stronger better kicker it does make you better in that kind of bent knee position specifically but what it did do for me is strengthen up all the connective tissues around my knees it gave me really good awareness around my hips 
and it, it helped me develop a very good proprioceptive contact with the ground. And we would spend up to, I don't know, to, like we'd get little breaks, but ultimately they'd want to spend 10 minutes at a time Wow, in that position. It's just a crazy thing. You don't need to do it's that. It's a horrible guys. position. For anyone that's never tried it, YouTube it, give yeah. it a go. It's basically double shoulder width foot position. You're trying to keep your feet parallel and pointing forwards. Your feet will want to turn out to the side because it's easier. And then you squat down until your thigh bones, your upper thigh, is parallel to the ground. And you're expected to hold that. And don't move. But you're also trying to keep your torso vertical, aren't yeah, you? Yeah, you're trying so to you stay very upright. So you can't, you can't just forward. hinge. No. You've got to push the knees forward and stay up, oh. which is really awkward on the knees and the ankles. It's such an uncomfortable thing. I'd, maybe it's just a form of torture that they would just inflict on people. But we would do all kinds of, you know, kia, kia, you know, punching, hand movements, knife strikes, whatever. But Ultimately, we were practicing our stability there. Are you defending arm bars or what? Because that's the <laughs> shit that works, son. Jiu-jitsu podcast. Fuck no, I'm, man, I'm just, hey, there's people out there who may have done this. If you've got a karate background, Aikido or Taekwondo, that idea of having a fundamentally strong base comes from like, of course, just spending this time there, right? Yeah. And the reason why I want to speak to that is if you are trying to get your legs stronger and you, you know, your knees are maybe not as stable as they can be, spending more time in a lunge or squat position and getting your quads, calf, hamstring, all working together to stabilize your knee like that has really good crossover to jiu-jitsu, especially if you're trying not to get swept. Yeah. And as you would know, Joe, you, you struggle to sweep me. So um, I, I think that speaks to my horse dance. How could I try and sweep you, bro? I didn't roll with you. Oh, true. <laughs> Jay, that's true. Well, we did specific training, right? But uh, we'll not go into it. Wait, I believe I swept you in that specific drill, but I, no, I believe I, I, believe I, passed, I submitted I you in that top, specific training. I passed your guard. <laughs> I'm like sorry. That. Did I go too hard? No, it's look, it's fine. Look, it's I, it's specific training. It's <laughs> it's okay. You know, like you know, you gotta let things go. That's a little one for the lower belts out there. What's up? See how he didn't deny that I submitted him. He didn't submit hey, me. Hey, we all get tapped. I got oh, no oh, oh he's all he's all humility now. <laughs> <laughs> Nonsense. Let me just paint a picture for this mechanical Please. Piece. So um, changing the position. We gave you a push-up. Let's talk about, say, a squat because this is very relevant for folks. For most people, the conventional squat where you stand with your feet around shoulder-width apart and you go down and you go up, it's not really particularly that athletically challenging. For a lot of people, sure, mobility-wise it's tough, hips and ankles and whatnot. But in terms of like, hey, give me 15 squats, most of you listening are going to be able to do it to some capacity. But if I said, hey, give me 15 pistol squats, Oh, you can fall to pieces, right? It's a different story. Yeah, and you're going to fall to pieces because the mobility is not adequate for it, but also the the load. The, if we could take the mobility aspect away from it, the mobility requirement, the load, like 15 squats with all of your weight on one leg is really fucking hard. It's not just twice as hard. I'd say it's like maybe three times as hard. Like totally. It's, it's incredibly tough. Yeah. So then the question is, well, how do we step through from a squat to a pistol squat? And this is why we hold the pistol squat very dear with our programming is because it encompasses all of the aspects of strength and mobility that we want that carry over to jiu-jitsu. In any case, let's say you're at home and you're like, I want to move towards that. This is kind of a similar idea to what we said with the push-up. So you've got your body weight squats, that's fine. Okay, now let's go with a lunge. So you're going to set yourself in a split position and then you're going to do, you know, whatever, sets of 10, 15, 20 reps there. You get to a point where that feels comfortable. Now you want to make it a little bit harder. You're going to elevate the back leg. So you're going to maintain the lunge position, but the back leg is elevated just a bit. This is called a Bulgarian split squat, Yeah. right? Do a bunch of those. Okay, you want to progress it again. You make the back foot a little bit higher. 
Sure. Right? Once you take it to about knee height, that's going to be about as far as you can go. Once we go from there, we've started to move our way towards the pistol already, right? We have, yeah. And then, you know, there's a bunch of other variations which, you know, we don't have to talk about now, but shrimp squats, elevated pistol squats, deficit squats that you can use that are going to help you move towards that. So the idea is you are manipulating the body position to enable yourself to extract greater gains from just using your body. Yes. And we know that that's really hard for the legs in particular because the legs are strong. The legs require a lot of load in order to grow and to strengthen. So, you know, I, I would argue that it's easier to build upper body strength with body weight, but with the legs, we've got to be a bit smarter, don't we? Yeah, I agree. And it's not as tricky as it sounds. You might be listening to us and go, wow, that just sounds like a whole lot of confusion. Like I understand a squat, but I don't understand these other things. And that's why we do put out lots of content to help explain but also know this, I have changed my bias. I used to be very much, I love a back squat. The back squat is king. Uh, I love a deadlift. Deadlift is king. You know, very two, two legs at once. But if we think about jujitsu, in all truth, it is asymmetrical. It's very rare that your two legs are doing the same thing at the same time. One's out straight, one's bent. You know, even your arms, you're framing with one, you're pulling with the other. Practicing this bilateral movement which is two at once as opposed to unilateral which is one side at a time is actually not as transferable to jiu-jitsu as a unilateral activity mm. so when you do stand on one leg and you do a lunge or you you do a deadlift a deadlift with one leg it is actually far more transferable and Here's the thing, guys. There's a thing. I, I've talked about this ages ago, but I want to come back to it. It's called bilateral deficit. Basically, they've done various studies on upper body and lower body stuff that shows the force you can produce with two arms, it is not, is not an equal half. When you push with one arm, you can actually produce 55% or even 60% of the force of the 100% of the two. So that means that you are basically producing an extra 10% amount of effort using one side because your nervous system is freed up to recruit all those muscle fibers. Right. So even though it does take more time, if you're like, oh, I work this leg, then I work that leg, it takes a bit more time, you will actually get stronger putting that little bit more focus on a single leg than a two-leg exercise. Did you hear that CrossFit? Ooh. Get some unilateral work in because it's good for you. Crickets, bruh. Crickets. They ain't saying nothing. But um, look, I think it's one of those things that it's really neglected because we all know it, right? We're hopping around on single legs. We're trying to pass guards. We're doing all this stuff. But then we're like, no, nah, I've got to go back to the staples. You know, I've got a SBD. And yet maybe. SBD, squat bench dead for the non-power lifting, you know, aficionados out there. We, we did go over it last episode. So yeah. if you didn't listen to last episode, go back and listen, you slacker. No. We've got no equipment. We're stuck at home. Even hopping on the spot, and we, we've done this, the hop and stabilize. Hop and stabilize. It looks so simple, but you do it, and you're like, this is kind of hard. Yeah. This is taxing. I, I just got a quick bone to pick. If I see you at the outdoor gym, and you've got the <laughs> jacked upper body, right, and you're doing pull-ups, great, and you're doing dips, awesome, and then I see you doing your legs, and you're using a bodyweight squat, and you're just going up and down for like 10 or 12 reps – Fuck you. But Joe. Be, no, because, because <laughs> shit is out of whack. A pull-up is really hard. A dip yeah. is a really hard exercise. Great quality. But maybe their upper body's so big, it's really hard for their little legs to deal with, bro. <laughs> you're so biased. You've dug that fucking hole you're, so deep. You're so leg-centric, Joe. <laughs> like, 
come on. All right, I got a thick lower body. What am I going to say? <laughs> Most of it comes from my mum. Yeah, I didn't have to work for it. <laughs> Shout out to our mothers, Wendy, uh, Jillian. We but, love you. Um, your mum's on Instagram. She or, is. Or, yeah, she, she is. Or, yeah, she is. She like likes our stuff. I think she follows and you. Sometimes I'll post something and she'll be like, "Great work, James." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she. she she has a rough understanding how Instagram works, but she's just there to Mate, stalk. She's still way steps ahead on my mum. Yeah. My mum's still trying to figure out text messages, but she got emojis down recently. Oh, nice. Yeah, it's cool. It's a big move. Yeah. For sure. Um, but, the, but yeah, no, the, what I'm getting at there is like, is this that idea of like a body weight squat for most of you is not adequate to develop more strength. It's not enough. It's a great way to get some blood pumping in a warm up. It's a great way to warm up in the morning. Maybe you want to do it before you go into your split squats or your pistol progressions. Sure. But making that your thing, like- you're like, if you're looking at your training and you're like, man, I've been doing like bodyweight squats for like five years now and not much is changing. Well, I'll fucking tell you what, it's time to change the exercise. Yes, indeed. And I mean, we can even go a step further. This might be cheating slightly, but a step or a bench can be very helpful. So you're at home and you have no official exercise equipment. I would place a bet you have a chair. Just, just to guess. If you don't have a chair, you might have a milk crate, whatever. This can help you with like Joe was saying about push-ups, like doing an elevated push-up that, that can help you in your progression towards pressing strength. But then also if you are doing squats or single leg work, that can also help you. So whenever I'm progressing someone with a pistol, I'll usually get them to start on a chair when they're ready and get them just to squat down like single leg, semi-pistol, like a half range of motion to the edge of the chair. And then once they've got the tolerance and the control, gradually bring them closer to the ground in the same way we progress the push-up. That's right. We're manipulating the well, we're manipulating the range of motion in that circumstance. Aren't That's we? right. Yeah. Which, which is kind of a set another way. You can change the load with the body position, or you can change the range of motion like a half squat. Yeah. Or I guess we can change the load by the way gravity is acting on you. That's possibly a better way to You guys seen Interstellar? Right now. Space boy. Science, bitch. Um, but I wanted to also talk about handstands because this is a, a field of expertise of yours, Joe. Thank not, you. Not mine. Thank you. It's important that the people know. <laughs> they do need to know. There's a high degree of skill with, with the handstand, even though it looks simple, right? We just see people, they just kick up. Usually they topple around. They have no line. They try and walk on their hands, blah, blah, blah. Could you actually give people a bit of a look into how you would take someone who can't do a handstand and how you would gradually work them up to that as a, a skill and a strength movement? Yeah, one of the things to point out, like JT mentioned, doing a, a, like a barbell back squat, but then going to a pistol. Obviously, you've only got one leg working now in the pistol, but you've got these other physical characteristics that are in, being enacted, which is balance, coordination, stability, right? Proprioception. So when you go to a single leg type exercise, these things are layered in, which makes the exercise harder, yes. right? Um, the other thing that we kind of, that I should just give context on briefly is the idea between a, like a dynamic movement and a static movement. Yes. The static movement, we use isometric strength, right? If you do like a hollow body hold, you're just holding the position, that's isometric, you're not moving, right? So when we're talking about the handstands, it's an isometric. Isometric, dynamic, which one's better? Uh, neither. Both are really good in their own way, right? I would say it depends on what you're lacking. Because, exactly Because some, right. some people are better at dynamic movements. You try to get them to hold still and they, and they suck. That's right. And then you get people who are stronger in the more static controlled motion and you go, okay, jump. And they, they can't even 
Yeah, yeah I can't coordinate it. So I think when, when you're thinking about what's better, it's more about what you need more. Yeah, it's just another tool, right? Yeah. So when we're talking about uh, for a lot of bodyweight strength training and folks listening will be able to identify this, for a lot of gymnastic work, like you know, refined bodyweight strength training, we're using isometric holds. We're getting into a position, uh, we're setting tension and then we're holding that position for you know whatever, 10 to 30 seconds. So the handstand is such an example. You could think of the handstand as like some kind of alternative to overhead pressing yeah right because your shoulders are having to support like your shoulders your arms are having to stabilize to be able to hold your body upside down now i'm going to go ahead and say doing an actual freestanding handstand uh which is something that i was very have been interested in for a long time doing that and being able to be good at that and master the thing to an extent that's not essential for jiu-jitsu players because there's a huge skill component yeah that, you know, that takes you off course of what it is that we're trying to get out of our training to support jiu-jitsu. But that said, I think people underestimate how hard that is, right? Well, that, not to say that there are no benefits. Like, of course yeah. there are. But let's, but let's maybe boil the handstand back to, say, a variation that we prescribe through our program that we think is worthwhile for jiu-jitsu people. Yes. Uh, and that would be a chest-to-wall, where you're doing a handstand, but you're doing it against the wall, so you've got a little bit of support of the wall. So you don't have to have the balance aspect dialed in you can just focus on the body position and then building the strength. Yeah. And right. then, guys, and I'll tell you as someone who is not good at handstands, even though I've played with it, a good mate of mine from Melbourne, Davey Handstands, great guy. I'd done some kind of PT sessions with him. There's a huge difference between kicking up against the wall, arching your back out and putting your feet to the wall compared to doing a chest to wall, like chest to wall handstand and having your midline tight is so so much more demanding than you can even imagine. Yeah. So brutal. if you haven't tried the difference on it, you're like, ah, oh, just kick up. It's as someone who sucks at it, that made a big difference to to me in terms of understanding how hard it can be. Yeah. There's different ways to regress this, but one of the big things that makes that chest to wall handstand really hard for folks is a wrist mobility and b shoulder mobility. And the, the fact is, with a handstand similar to overhead pressing. If you don't have adequate range of motion through those areas, you can't safely do the exercise, right? Like if someone's got really tight shoulders and they can't actually open the shoulder up to press overhead, you're not going to be having them doing a lot of overhead presses, right? Or at least not heavy. Yes. Because in order to maintain balance, they have to, manip- they have to change the, the body position and that puts load on the back. In any case, let's say you want to start to fuck with handstands and you're like, all right, like I'm doing push-ups, I'm doing some stuff, that feels great, but I want another challenge. A really simple thing you can start to do would be an inclined chest-to-wall handstand. So say you get yourself into a push-up position, but you back up to the wall. So your feet are almost touching the wall and your, your body line's nice and straight, your hands are on the floor underneath your shoulders. You're going to step up to the wall only about like, say, just above hip height to the wall. And then you're going to set your body line nice and straight, feet together, pelvis tucked, glutes engaged, abs tight. You're going to push through the shoulders, lock your elbows, and then you're going to hold that position. Mm. That is let's say 20 to 30 seconds, do five sets of that. That's, that's hard, people. It's tough, right? That's not requiring you to fully open the shoulder, right? You still got a bit of a closed shoulder position, but you're stabilizing there. And that's really important is getting that body position and getting that shoulder position dialed in. You want to make it a bit harder. Okay, you can walk the feet a little bit higher to the point where you can now open the shoulder. So you've got a straight line from your hands to your toes. Yeah. And then making that harder again, you would over time walk your hands in closer to the wall until you're in a vertical position more or less. I think, I mean, we believe that's a great exercise for grapplers, that what it teaches you about body awareness, how to stabilize your scapula while you're keeping tension through your midline, which is your abs and your pelvis, 
um, I think is invaluable and has such a big carryover to other exercises. Yeah, I think it's true. And I think part of the reason why, and I, I noticed this as a, a deficit in my game, I've spent so much time reinforcing strength through flexion, like pulling, like pulling strength has been such a big, big thing for me, like just weighted pull-ups and tightening up my lats that I do feel a degree of restriction. I can achieve full range of motion, but I kind of have to warm up into it. It doesn't feel natural for me to be in that extended position. And for most people out there, that is their weakest spot. Like if we relate this back to you and jujitsu guys, someone's got you on mount and you're trying to stay tight. They're squashing you and they start walking your arms up and your arms are coming up over your head and you're like, oh my God, I'm going to tap because my shoulders feel impinged. Like they're not comoring you. They're not choking you. They're not armbarring you. not a submission. No, you're just... Tapping to lack of range of motion. Fucking tapped to range of motion deficit. <laughs> That's a problem. And so I'm not there. I'm not there. But I do know that if we're going to do any overhead work, I have to kind of loosen up my lats and I actually have to put a bit of time in. And I think, just observing you, Joe, because you've spent more time on your wrists, um, spent more time in that overhead position, I think your shoulders are more well balanced than mine in that way. Yeah, yeah, and, I would and, say so. And so if we're talking to you guys, because that is another piece of this puzzle, we want you to get strong, but we want you to get strong in a balanced way. Yeah. And if you don't have dumbbells and kettlebells to press overhead, if you can get good at stabilizing your shoulder, and this is another little thing that you guys may not be aware of, protraction is a big deal, right? Like we're always telling you guys to like retract your shoulder blades, but the that, world is always telling you to pull your shoulder blades back. Yeah, you know, you try and pull them back for your posture, but if we're thinking about your shoulder strength, it's actually super crucial when you're getting vertical and getting your shoulder strong to get strong at protraction. That's actually really hard. And if you do get good at that, your shoulder will be healthier. So even though this might sound just totally irrelevant, you're like, what the hell is protraction? Protract, protraction, if we think project, it's really bringing your arm as far forward and out as you can, but stable, stabilizing. Retraction, think return and drawing the arm back and down into the socket. Yeah, it's like spreading your shoulder blades apart, pushing them forward to protract and then squeezing them back for retraction. I didn't know this. Joe's done this with me a couple of times. Like, nah, man, like further apart. I'm like, I am. He's like, no, further apart. I'm like, God, I'm trying. Protraction is just something that we just don't practice in our normal everyday movements but it is a necessary thing you need to have strong shoulders. And that's why I'm drilling down on that one. Yeah, I think uh, another scenario where folks could resonate with having bad shoulder mobility and how that affects their jiu-jitsu is when you're drilling either Kimuras or uh, Americanas, yeah. figure fours, and like your partner places the first lock onto your wrist and then they <sighs> go to feed their hand underneath to almost – like enter the submission and you are like, stop, stop, stop. Yeah. And, you're like, and they're like, I haven't done it yet. You're like, I know, but my shoulder hurts. <laughs> yeah. And it's so, it's so common. We, I see it all the time. Yep. And it's just an indication you got really tight shoulders and tight means that they're going to be really weak in certain positions as well. And we want to get some balance to those things because it, like a balanced joint, particularly shoulder joint, is generally a healthy joint. Yeah, I agree with that. So if you're at home and you have no equipment, or your jiu-jitsu gym is just a mat. There's, there's not even a pull-up bar. There is still a lot of ways 
for you to get stronger. You, you don't have to use, oh, I have no equipment as an excuse. There are ways and means f- for you to do this. And obviously we're not the only source of information here. Like it, it's very easy for you to be able to find out more because there's so many people out there promoting bodyweight strength training. Obviously we have certain ways that we prefer it, but even for myself, uh, many years ago, I wanted to try and get a planche, which is basically like a, a, a balance, a hand balance position where your body's horizontal. Think of a push-up, but your feet are off the ground. Like <laughs> it's, it's actually a crazy thing to want to do. It's a huge project and if you don't have an amazing anatomy and crazy good strength, it's not going to happen. And I, I will comfortably say after working at it for a year, I was lucky if I even got to like tuck holds for time. Yeah, it's, a it's brutal super journey. brutal. But it, I was searching through a lot of YouTube stuff. I was asking a friend of mine who was a gymnast. He was kind of giving me feedback. But uh, there was a lot of good info out there about planche progressions for free, you know. And obviously, yeah. it, you know, the internet can become a bit of a, a black hole because it can be too much. But if you're not sure, feel free to reach out to us because this is something that we, we spend time on every day and we have the knowledge feel free to message us on Instagram or on Facebook and say, hey, what is the next step? Because we, we can hit you with progressions and help. Yeah, and look, you know, go to bulletproofofbjj.com. We've got a home program which uses a lot of these principles in order to make you stronger. So, you know, we didn't get to go into it, but talking about the hop and stabilize for the lower body, yep. different jumping drills, um, different, you know, using the chest to wall handstand and that kind of thing. It's where we've put in a lot of that stuff. It does require a couple of bits of equipment, like a – somewhere to hang from sure. uh, and a couple of bands. But if you got that, you can hit it 100% and that stuff's going to get you stronger. I will follow this up too with a video on YouTube where we'll just put some of our best kind of alternative exercises that you can use if you are training at home. So by the time you're hearing this, check the YouTube channel out. There'll be a, a video there with a bunch of cool ideas for you to implement. Yeah, definitely. So guys, even though we have been very much programmed to associate strength training with the gym, which it is, once you have the interest and you are keen, there are many ways for you to do this with zero equipment. And we can definitely help you with that. Thank you, guys. Thanks, guys. Cheers, brother. Cheers.